gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Woo! Just like that, we're into the music news. <laughs> just like that. Uh, and if you missed the start of the show, you would have missed me telling you what the news is going to be about. So, your loss. Yeah, it is your loss. But your gain is that you have tuned in uh, with enough time to hear it. Yeah, we're going to be talking tonight about um, something you probably may have actually thought about for the first time if you're a festival goer this year. And it is insurance for festivals. How does that work? What is that set up like? I know insurance. What a fun topic we're talking about. Yes. But it is, it is an important one because in light of everything that's been going on, there are different... I mean, you might have experienced something similar with your own lives and your own insurances that might be changing. Yeah, it's um, it's it's funny if we take this all the way back to January and December when we were grappling with the worst bushfires the country's ever seen and uh, many festivals, uh, Lost Paradise, which is up here in the Central Coast, was forced to postpone. So were a couple of Falls festivals uh, and a few others because of the imminent threat of bushfire. And at that point, we're wondering, well, how does the insurance work? Being Australian festivals, they all tend to have insurance for this kind of thing. What most don't have insurance for is a pandemic. Um, Who'd have thought? Yeah, which you can't really blame them. I mean, it's not really something that, you know, we expected would happen. Uh, I mean, no. I mean, there were, I've seen, like, I think it was Bill Gates did a TED Talk on this a couple of years ago. I think it was a couple of years ago, saying we're not ready for a global pandemic. We're just not ready. And there's been lots of people who made those sorts of claims. But, you know, they weren't, it wasn't like everyone was saying, oh, hang on, if this happens, we're not going to be ready. Everyone was just sort of going about their lives and living it to the fullest until we no longer could. Yeah, yeah, until we find ourselves in a situation uh, that is today. But what happened was we had uh, Blues Fest was actually one of the only festivals or the only, well, probably I think one of the only festivals and events in this country that actually had ticked a communicable disease box on their insurance policy when they were taking it out. Uh, the reason being is that it is held in Byron Bay and at that time they had had a really bad gastro outbreak in Byron <laughs> Bay. So they weren't thinking of pandemics. They were thinking you know, this This cover tended to look more towards, you know, if you had a, a gastro outbreak in a campsite, people became unwell and, you know, pooed everywhere and things like that. Um, they, they didn't really consider a pandemic, but it ended up paying well, I wouldn't say paying dividends, but it worked out for them. It covered the cost of their ticket sale. So they could refund ticket holders um, everything that they had paid. Uh, however, it didn't cover much else. And at the time of Blues Fest's cancellation, uh, the uh, promoter of that festival and the owner of that festival, they'd spent $10 million already on the festival. Um, so they had trucks at the gates ready to set up. It was that close. Mm. Um April was when Bluesfest was due to go ahead. Groove in the Moo was also due to go ahead in April and it suffered a very different fate. Didn't have the communicable disease box ticked on its insurance policy and uh, therefore was liable for all of the losses that come through that. And so what we're seeing now is a country in Australia that is looking very good in terms of the virus. Thanks, Victoria, for catching up finally. Well, now good they're doing better than what we are here in New They are. Wales. They are. They're actually, yeah, we can't say catching up, streaking ahead, yeah. uh, which is great news today, uh, what we've seen. Um, and uh, it does look pretty rosy for us as a nation, provided we don't repeat that. Uh, so moving into 2021, I'm sure a lot of people are filled with hope that they might be back at their favourite festivals. 
that might not be possible because what we're seeing now is that these events need to ensure in case of a COVID outbreak and there is simply not a single insurance company that's willing to offer that policy to them. That's unlike insurance companies, (laughs) isn't it? They are profit-making businesses <laughs> after all, I guess. As all are. Yeah. And, um, so, Except for not-for-profits. Yeah. Is, is there a not-for-profit insurance agency? Do they exist? <laughs> Unlikely. But yeah, um, you can't really blame the insurance companies for things like this. I mean, as we said, they no. are make, trying to make a profit at the end of things. But you do wish that they were perhaps a little bit more willing a little bit more lenient to to cover things like this. Yeah, yeah, you do. And uh, unfortunately, they're not going to play ball. So it's led to a lot of festivals and events more broadly around Australia rethinking what they might be doing in 2021. And they might have to postpone things and they might have to radically change things. Um, And what happens when the private sector fails is we turn to government. And this has led uh, to last week, I think it was started by Splendor in the Grass, uh, calling uh, for a nationwide federal insurance scheme to be set up for events and festivals uh, in Australia by the federal government. Now, this would exist pretty much to uh, ensure events that if they had to uh, unforeseeably close or or, or stop their event from going ahead, uh, the government would cover their losses so they don't face financial ruin. Now, it might sound like, oh, you're asking a lot there, but they've already done it. The government has already done it for the film industry. Um, They did that uh, quietly months ago. Um, They offered to, or they have a a setup basically where if a film or a production has to stop, they will cover uh, up to 60% of the costs of that. Um, So that's been in place already for some time. Uh, So when you hear that, you can understand, well, it's actually kind of fair enough for them to, to ask uh, for that. Uh, the alternative to this is being, and what we're already seeing, um, is that some events are trying to rethink the way they approach their, their event and how they pay. So they're trying to minimize any kind of outlay until basically the day the festival begins, which means they won't pay deposits until the day the festival begins. They won't pay artists and deposits. And, you know, this has obviously required a fair bit of goodwill between artists and events and uh, uh, the managers of those things, the stalls that set up and that kind of stuff. Um, and it can work. It can work. But it still leaves the promoters hung out uh, to dry if anything goes wrong. It, uh, another thing that they could do is apply for, for grants. Now, something that happened after the awful 9-11 attacks in America, uh, insurers stopped covering commercial property for terrorist events. Uh, The Prime Minister at the time, John Howard, his government set up the Australian Reinsurance Pool Corporation. Uh, And in a statement relating to the Arts Minister, Paul Fletcher said music events, music festivals and other major events could apply for grants. Yeah, these are the grants that we spoke about on the show that was part of um, the the $250 million arts package that was presented by the government. So uh, Paul Fletcher has um, carefully dodged... uh, He's he's offered the grant thing. The grant thing is legitimate. It's from $75,000 to $2 million under the scheme and that's to support eligible activities. But as we know, uh, events cost a lot more than $75,000 to $2 million. Very few are going to get the $2 million. The grant scheme is capped, meaning that there's going to be competition and people are inevitably going to miss out. So 
uh, unless something like this is set up, we're basically going to see a large or, or most of the events that we will maybe be hoping to go to uh, in 2021 uh, are radically reshaped and reimagined so that they can um, kind of protect the owners from potential losses or not go ahead at all. Um, and if you want some some stats for this, the Australian Festival Association has stats that basically say the music festivals poured $2.7 billion into the Australian economy every year pre-COVID and they created uh, almost 10,000 jobs. So this isn't simply, you know, people wanting to go out and have fun listening to bands that they don't need to do. This is a very, very significant source of um, of capital for our country and a job creator, 10,000 jobs. So mm. this is kind of the di- what this insurance scheme could mean the difference uh, between. So it's a very interesting call out from the music industry. Um, they definitely do have a leg to stand on when you consider that the same thing's already been done for the film industry. What, we, uh, what remains to be seen is whether they're going to play ball, I guess, um, or whether they're going to to do what they, <laughs> this government has, it seems to have done a lot and, and uh, kind of relegate the arts to a less important, less valued, uh, you know, kind of part of our society, at least in their eyes, and, and then fund that or, or support that accordingly. History tells us most likely, but I feel like recent history does suggest that the more support could be on the way for arts and for a lot of these festivals. Yeah, and I suppose it depends on the amount of momentum um, that mm. is behind these things. So if you do believe in it, then uh, don't sit quietly and grumble if you want your events back and if you want that money and there's jobs in our economy. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good idea to, you know, kind of try and push that along, I suppose. None of these things happen uh, if no one says anything about it. So uh, we'll see how that goes. We might have an updates for you in, in the coming weeks, but we might not. We'll just have to see how it plays out.